Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. far into the show today on the show we're going to be talking about the lakers losing to the phoenix suns 113 to 123 in phoenix in the matinee game uh we're going to be talking about anthony davis's struggles and how i thought darvin kind of took him out of the game right from the get um always great when your coach takes your second best player out of the game um i also think ad played poorly on his own so we'll talk a little bit about that um, we'll talk about the game in particular against the Suns and where it leaves the Lakers here. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear me now. <laughs> uh, and and uh, we will also talk about a tweet that I sent that um, I just can't stop kind of thinking about. So let's talk about, you know, kind of the lose-lose that some Lakers fans might find themselves here with a team coached by somebody who I don't think anybody really trusts anymore. So there's a lot to get to, obviously, here. Let's go ahead and get to it. All right, so again, the Lakers lose 113-123 to 123 in Phoenix to the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers fall to 31-28. and 28. The Phoenix Suns jump to 34-24. and 24. Uh, The Lakers find themselves kind of tumbling down the standings right now in a way that is a little concerning, I think, at this point. Uh, they are already pre- in a precarious spot. Um, I do think, for the most part, that the, you know, kind of uh, the, the the standings or the, the 10 playoffs slash play-in teams are pretty much set for the Western Conference. You look at it, and, you know, the Lakers are sitting there at uh, 31 and 28. The next closest team is the Utah Jazz. They have 31 losses. 
uh, and they're basically tanking at this point. The Houston Rockets, I guess, could technically go on a bit of a run, but they have kind of fallen off. And then from there, you have Memphis, Portland, and San Antonio, three teams that aren't really, <clears throat> never really figured into this conversation at all. So, you know, the Lakers do, I guess, get a little bit of leeway here because of the way the season has played out to this point. But they were certainly hoping to avoid being in the 10 spot where if the Lakers were to make the playoffs, um, they would have to go through two road play-in games, uh, essentially. And that's just, that's a lot to ask. You know, it's a lot that you're up against there to even get into the playoffs. If you, if you enter the play-in with only, uh, or as only the 10 seed. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the situation and, and, and all of that stuff. Let's talk about the game though. Um, I, you know, the Lakers, I thought started this one pretty ugly. Uh, you know, the first quarter they got outscored 45 to 28. Anthony Davis got into some foul trouble early, uh, with two first quarter fouls and, uh, Darvin Ham subbed him out. By the way, Anthony Davis finished with three fouls, three of them. Sometimes as a head coach, you just got to trust your guy. And what's funny is it like he trusted Anthony Davis just the other day. <laughs> like he just, he just trusted Anthony Davis in a similar spot where he picked up two kind of quick fouls guarding Wemby. And like, you would think guarding Wemby actually puts you at a worse spot. And, and, you know, if you're concerned about your, your second best player picking up a third foul and really taking him out of the half um, in this one, you know, Devin Booker doesn't really apply much rim pressure. Kevin Durant doesn't really apply much rim pressure. Like maybe Nurkic gets another offensive rebound and you wind up fouling Nurkic for your third foul in the, in the, um, in the first quarter. But by the time Kev, uh, AD got back in, the Lakers were down like 20 and they really had to go on a run to even get back into the game. Now they did fortunately, but your margin for error at that point is so small that it's just, you're asking everybody to do some Herculean things to even be competitive again. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, and Phil Jackson used to have, you know, talk about these games a lot that when you put yourself into a hole, the way that the Lakers did, um, you expend so much energy, just getting back into the game that you're never really able to get back over the hump. And in this one, the Lakers, you know, got within, I think five was the closest that they got and then missed two, three pointers. Grayson Allen goes to the other end of the, um, uh, on the other end hits his and that five point lead jumps back up to an eight point lead. And then the Lakers were kind of in that pocket. You know, I think the closest they got again was about six points or so. And that was really kind of the game from there. And, and, and they got into that, you know, kind of, nine to 11 to 12 to an eight, you know, that they're in that range in that pocket where you're in the game, but you really kind of go on and you need to go on another run to really figure into uh, threatening to win it. And the Lakers weren't able to go on that, that one extra run that you needed. And that I think was kind of how the game went on a macro level. Now um, we're going to be talking about some of the specific decisions that were made that I really didn't get and the explanation since uh, make it even worse. But uh, first, let's get to a couple of these um, these comments. Uh, we have two of them, which means we go. Fuck Boston! 
One more time. We got another one. So we'll go twice. So the first one here comes from Lil Chris Johnson, 18. Ham and his four guard lineup is not good at all. Um, Brandon Olming, also, I don't understand Ham. If one of AR or D'Lo isn't playing well, you bench them and you play either Max or maybe Spencer Dinwiddie. Also, Prince should never play more than 20 minutes. I would say like 24 minutes is apparently the sweet spot here for, for Tory and Prince. If he gets above 25 minutes or so, you're getting yourself into trouble. And that's where the Lakers found themselves in this one. Um, Torian Prince, by the way, played 27 minutes, uh, three of 10 from the field, two of six from three point range, a game worst minus 13 um, as he was being asked to guard Devin Booker and he was being asked to guard Kevin Durant. And um, I'm just going to say this. If it gets aggregated, it gets aggregated, but. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I have talked previously about the way other teams scout the Lakers, right? And this is per like people around the league, people I talked to from other teams. I gave the one, you know, er, way earlier in the season, I said a scout told me that they don't even feel the, Fear, fear the things that the Lakers do offensively all of the time because they know eventually they're just going to go away from it because their uh, coaching staff isn't like disciplined enough to stick with the things and spam the things that are really working. But another thing that I've been told by, by league personnel who have had to like prepare for uh, playing against the Lakers is they don't necessarily scout the Lakers. They scout that, uh, Milwaukee Bucks title team that Darvin Ham was an assistant coach on. And, you know, so basically like they, they scout for Anthony Davis, but they know that Darvin wants to use him like Brooke Lopez and they will scout for, um, you know, Austin Reeves, but they know that he, you know, Darvin would prefer him to play like Pat, uh, Connaughton. They will scout for, you know, you could use, whoever whatever player you want here next and and they prepare for them to a certain extent for that like that actual player but not necessarily specifically as it pertains to the lakers 
because they know that eventually Darwin is going to want to like make the Lakers a version of that Bucks team that won a championship that year when he doesn't have personnel that aligns with that perfectly. And, and the reason I say all of this is because Troy and Prince comes to mind. And I've been told that Darwin wants Tory and Prince to basically play like and fill the role of Chris Middleton. And that's why you see a lot of like the, the, the Tory and Prince ISO stuff. And that's why his light is so green and he spends so much time guarding the other team's best player. And you're asking a five ish million dollar player uh, to do all of the things that like a 30 ish million dollar player does for their team. And that's, you know, not going to end well. And, and, uh, I, I think like when we keep on watching and we keep wondering why Torian Prince has such a leash, it's because he's the best equipped to fill the, the Chris Middleton role. But in reality, what the Lakers need to realize is that they don't have anybody to fill that role. And therefore they need to adjust to the actual roster as it exists. And, and, um, you know, you're, you're what almost 60 games in here. Uh, yeah, this was the 59th game that the Lakers played tonight. So you're almost 60 games in. Actually, they played the, the in-season tournament final, which doesn't count. So this was the 60th game that the Lakers have played, and Darvin Ham apparently doesn't know who Torian Prince is. That's probably not great. <clears throat> um, the other thing here is... Uh, you know, and, and you see it on, uh, over there on the right. For those of you who are watching live, please do hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Um, if you are watching on Twitter, please go to youtube.com and subscribe to the Lakers Lounge. That is youtube.com uh, slash at Lakers Lounge is where you can find us. Um, if you're listening in the next, you know, in the morning or whatever, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, preferably Odyssey. That is my employer. But uh, yeah, I want to talk about Anthony Davis and yeah, I, I, I don't want to completely excuse the way that he played because I thought that Davis for the most part was pretty bad, like by his standards. I know people are going to look at it and say, well, he was 11 of 17 and scored 22 points and he grabbed 14 rebounds and three steals and two blocks and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but if you were watching um, Nurkic pretty much did whatever he wanted with Anthony Davis on both ends of the court. I, th I thought the Suns did a really good job. And honestly, I think the Warriors did a very good job of this uh, as well. In those two losses, one to the Warriors, one here to the Suns, uh, Anthony Davis combined for one assist between the two games. And I think a lot of these teams are trapping Anthony Davis in a way that makes him you know, they're trapping him in unique ways and it's made him a worse passer. And when the Lakers look really, really good, it's when Anthony Davis is really facilitating. And the more that teams take him out of uh, his ability to do that, I think that is where the Lakers have really kind of struggled recently. Um, but I, I also thought, like, you look at this one, Nurkic grabbed uh, 15. Oh, no, he grabbed 22 rebounds in this one seven of those rebounds were offensive. And a lot of that, you know, obviously coincided when Anthony Davis was out there on the court. And it was a lot of Nurkic kind of backing him into the, the rim. And, and you know, Darvin is kind of complaining about the uh, foul trouble. The Lakers did only shoot eight free throws in this one. Um, as a team, they only shot eight. That's the fewest that they've shot so far this year. 
they only shot 35 three-pointers, so it isn't like they were chucking and, and weren't trying to get to the rim, but there was a lot of stuff happening in the mid-range. Anthony Davis, I think, only got to the free-throw line. No, he didn't get to the free-throw line. Um, and, and I just – it was – statistically it's going to look like a fine game, but I thought by Anthony Davis's standards, this was a bad one. He also hit a couple shots there late in the game. Once the game had basically been decided. And if you are going to, uh, you know, try to win a game against Phoenix, when Kevin Durant plays the way he did, uh, where he scores 22 points, he honestly didn't play that great. <laughs> Uh, 22 points on 20 shots. Like you, that's part of why I think the Lakers were kind of in this one. Um, Devin Booker also not incredible. 21 points on 18 shots for Booker. Um, you look at the other guys though. Grayson Allen made six three pointers. Royce O'Neal made six three pointers of his own. And uh, I just think you know if the other guys are going to play the way that they did, you need AD to be AD, and he wasn't. And uh, you know for everything that. I'm going to complain about with Darwin, you know, you do need more from AD. And, and I, I do think that part of this kind of goes back to AD being taken out in that first quarter and having his rhythm kind of messed with um, sometimes like if, if a, if an opposing and imposing big really sets the tone physically against Anthony Davis, uh, Davis will tend to struggle in those ones. And I think that's what we saw here with Nurkic, where on both sides of the court, Anthony Davis was never particular, particularly comfortable and really kind of struggled as a result of it and became, you know, kind of the worst version of him that, that you're going to get. And, you know, again, part of it is like the rhythm thing where AD gets taken out of the game early and, um, you know, the Lakers wind up having to go away from him because he wasn't on the court and then they go on this run and it was just, you know, kind of a weird spot there. And I, I do kind of blame Darwin to a certain extent with that stuff because I don't, I just don't think you need to take Anthony Davis out of the game in the first quarter for foul trouble. Like if, if you're, you're doing what the other team is hoping for you to do, it's kind of like going for it on fourth down. We've all, we've all rooted for a team and the other team will, you know, elect to punt at like the, at their like 45 yard line when it's fourth and two or three or even better, right? If they punt on your 45 yard line, when it's like fourth and four, uh, you wind up kind of saying like, Oh, thank God. Thank goodness. Thank you for punting there. And I kind of feel like that's how Phoenix kind of took in this game where they get those two early fouls on, on AD and then Darwin takes him out of the game and Phoenix is like, Whew, all right, thank goodness. Hell yeah. Bring it, bring Jackson Hayes in here. Let's mess him up a little bit. And, and uh, you know, that's what it wound up looking like. Hayes in uh, six minutes was a minus eight today. It was just, it was a, it was a bad game for Anthony Davis. And I thought Darwin played a role in it being that bad, but I also don't want to, make it sound as if I'm excusing Anthony Davis in any real way. At the end of the day, he needed to play better. He didn't. And frankly, I think the Lakers lost because Anthony Davis played that poorly. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about Darvin Ham, though. And uh, again, I sent a tweet. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and screen grab it. And I will pull it up here for those of you who are watching on YouTube um, so that we can uh, look at it and read it together. But I I sent a tweet uh, in that game and um, I was, you know, really kind of frustrated with, you know, the Anthony Davis situation and the way that Torian Prince has been used so far this year. Here's what I wrote. Uh, I'm in a weird spot with this team. I obviously want them to succeed. But any success that increases the chances Ham is back next year might actually be a net negative. He's the worst coach I've ever had to watch, Byron included. Now, I know a lot, you know, a lot of the attention since I sent that tweet was uh, about that last sentence, you know, that this is the worst coach I've ever had to watch, um, Byron included. And a lot of people are like, well, is he worse than Luke Walton? Is he Is he really worse than Byron? How about that disastrous Mike D'Antoni season? Um, okay, fine. Like you want to, you want into, you want to get into the semantics here and get into the comparison shopping or whatever. I think you're kind of missing the point because if Darwin is really in that grouping of some of the worst coaches I have ever seen, right? Byron Scott was just abysmal, and Luke Walton literally made Brooke Lopez never want to play for the Lakers again. Um, and made Julius Randle want to leave as quickly as he possibly could have too. And uh, you know, if you're if if we're like debating, is Darvin worse than those two guys? I think that's the bigger point here. I think the bigger point is actually at the beginning of that of that tweet, where I'm like, do I really want the Lakers to do anything this year? Do I want them to get out of the first round if it means that it's more likely that Darvin Ham is actually back next year? That to me should be like the big bright lights thing, right? Like I'm a writer. You never bury the lead. If the lead was, I think Byron, or I think Darwin is as bad as Byron, or I think he's as bad as Luke, or I think he's as bad as Mike D'Antoni when he was a Lakers coach, I would say I would have put that at the top. But no, I think the bigger deal here is the fact that I'm sitting here like, all right, let's be real, right? I'm going to do the Stephen A. Smith thing. All right, let's be real. Let's actually really examine this. I'm going to bring this down here. You guys can see me. It was a very serious moment here in the Lakers lounge or on the Lakers lowdown. Do we really want the Lakers to win a playoff series? Like if I, if I had to tell you, you had, this is your call. The Lakers win a playoff series, one playoff series. And Darvin Ham comes back or 
you'll waste another LeBron season. But Darvin Ham isn't back next year. Which do you pick? Kind of sucks that we're in this spot, right? Like, it's not great that we're stuck here and we're like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. I'm not positive which is the better outcome here. And that's the spot that 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 uh, the Lakers um, and and Jeannie and Rob Palinka have put us in, where we're here, we're here trying to decide: is it better for the Lakers to lose early in the playoffs this year because it increases the chances that we don't have to watch Hot Pockets next season? That's crazy. That's insane. I like. I can't believe. And it's a, it's actually a real conversation. It's a real conversation I've had multiple times over the course of the last like couple weeks or so, whether it's on this show, whether it's right now, whether it's with people in DMS and texts and stuff like that. And, and with sources, because like the way that I, the way that I get my sourcing is I just like talk to people. Like I just, I have conversations with people and I pull, I, I pluck nuggets from those conversations and I, I offer them up to you fine folks. And so like when I'm when I'm having those conversations I'm legitimately asking league personnel like hey man so what like what would you be rooting rooting for here right and I'll have like coaches from those other teams and they'll be like well obviously I would want my team to win basketball games because my job is at stake with losing those basketball or if we lose or win those basketball games it's like okay I get it from your perspective but then I'll talk to people higher up in some conver- in, in some organizations and they'll be like, honestly, I think you're onto something. You just hope that Anthony, that Anthony Davis has this good of a season next year and that LeBron James is once again, this good somehow in his uh, year 40 or age 40 season. Um, and you see what the Lakers could possibly become uh, without Darvin ham holding them back because this isn't just me. This isn't just my analysis. I think he's holding them back. There are other people who are like also do what I do and in, in, in their a- analysis of this. It's like po- the, the the overwhelmingly popular stance here is that Darvin Ham is holding back this Lakers team. And uh you know, this league is too competitive to hope to compete consistently. When your coach is doing dumbass stuff, like having at one point today, the lineup was Anthony Davis, fine. D'Angelo Russell, all right, that's fine. Austin Reeves, yeah, two starters, okay. Spencer Dinwiddie, hold on, what? Well, surely they had Rui in there, right, for some muscle? No, no, no. oh no, they had they had they had Torian Prince at the four. At the four, that means that this season Torian Prince has played point guard. Remember, he started. With that all wing lineup, shooting guard, probably his most natural position. So that's fine. Small forward. Okay. Kind of stretching it here. And power forward. Torian Prince was <laughs> the guy who can't rebound in a game that the Lakers are struggling to rebound. Torian Prince was your power forward at one moment. What? Multiple times on purpose? And then, like, Darvin Ham says after the game that apparently um, uh, part of the reason Max Christie wasn't able to get into the game in the first half was because of Anthony Davis's foul trouble? Your center? He? Like, 
you couldn't play a defensive minded shooting guard because you're all world defensive center got in a foul. You would think that that's more of a reason to play Max Christie because you need more perimeter defense to make up for the fact that Anthony Davis isn't there to clean up stuff behind the perimeter defenders. And it's just like, it's always an excuse. Always. Right. We just heard JJ Reddick talk about this stuff with doc rivers. How we, he always finds some excuse to make for himself. It always winds up being the player's fault. That's what we're watching this season. That's what we're watching with Darvin Ham. Every time it's like, well, Darvin, what uh, what kind of adjustment can you make at halftime to make up for the fact that Grayson Allen and Royce O'Neal haven't been guarded all half? Well, we just got to run harder. Excuse me? What? Huh? And that, and that, by, by the way, that's me watching, but that's also how the Lakers have reacted to Darvin all season. Every single time they they lose or the other team goes on a run or another team makes an adjustment that the Lakers have to adjust to his adjustment is run faster guys try harder be grittier and and I don't know man like it goes back to that that question of would you rather lose early in the postseason if it means for sure that Darvin Ham gets fired or would you rather win a playoff round let alone two and basically ensure that we're right back here doing the same old bullshit next year. I don't know. Uh, we do have a uh, super comment on this subject, which means... I'm going to play it again because I just I need to be in a better mood. But that super comment... From God, uh, God King Tony Clifton, percent chance Ham is gone if we finish 11th or worse. We need a consolation price. Also, could you turn on super thanks? I can't always make the stream. I'll find out what that is. Um, percent chance that Darwin is gone if they finish 11th or worse. I would say it's like a 90, 90% chance that Darwin is gone if the Lakers don't make even the play in. This was too good of a team, and you've had LeBron James and Anthony Davis too healthy to not make the play-in even. Uh, so that that would be, he would be the first to go. But frankly, I think it, 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 like if you finish 11th, I think Polinka probably needs to be looked at a little bit more closely. Um, I believe Polinka and Ham's contracts are actually aligned. So it actually makes it pretty clean if they do fall that far short of expectations um, for Jeannie to just go in and say like, look, man, you had your chance. This has been, they've had a championship run. You've had a Western conference finals run, but everything other than that has been mediocre at best. And um, this has just been too much of a roller coaster ride. Given the star level talent that you've had to work with here. Um, this is just not good enough. And I think that at, at the very least, Darvin Ham is gone. Now, as far as, uh, excuse me, as far as the, um, where that line is, is interesting because uh, I've done some digging on this and I don't know 
I don't know that winning a playoff series is necessarily enough for Darvin. This season has been a mess. You've had basically more than half of the, uh, the, the, the locker room at odds with Darvin basically all season. And there's been some stretches where he goes back to relying on those guys and the Lakers look good. And then he goes away from it. And those guys get frustrated all over again. And some of it is their fault, right? Rui hasn't played very well recently. And, you know, Vanderbilt has been hurt and there are excuses and there's context to take into account here. But as I've been told, I think he needs to go on a lengthy playoff run to not just get further belief from the front office, but probably more importantly, these players, um, these players have basically the way that the way that, you know, from those who were closer to the Lakers and closer to some of these players, the way that I've kind of heard it is that these guys, basically they win in spite of the coach. They play well, for them for themselves and for each other but it's not to like it's not to win one for the gipper right it's not i don't know if you guys remember uh major league was it two yeah it was major league two where that uh manager for major league two gets a heart attack right in one of my favorite scenes of all time he's got a knee thing and he's got a commercial thing and he's got a movie thing and then some of us have a heart attack thing you're like coach who's having a heart attack he's like i'm having a heart attack and he goes to the hospital and then he's like in the hospital and they like they you know they basically tells everybody like win one for me you know whatever i believe and and but like if in in this case like when the lakers play well and anytime like good things happen on the court, especially with those core guys from last year, they spend a lot of time like looking back at the sideline, like, see, you see, you see why we went on a run last time, you know? And, and I just, uh, it's, it's, it's been a really frustrating season for a lot of the involved parties. And I think, you know, I, I, I think, Dar I think LeBron would like to see Darvin gone. I don't think Anthony Davis particularly cares um, that's not really the way that he rolls, but even he has taken some, some shots at Darwin this year. You just saw the other night or the other day, LeBron, you know, take a picture of him and pop love you coach. He's complimented Teron Lou and other guys have complimented other coaches. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, not a particularly huge Darwin ham fan. Austin Reeves, not a Darwin ham fan. Rui Hachimura, not a Darwin ham fan. Um, and I, I just think, you know, he's done a lot of damage to his, kind of status in that locker room. And I think that so much damage has been done that enough guys, if they were to like, if they were asked by the organization, what they would like to happen this off season, I think a lot of guys would probably stand up and say like, can we get a new coach? Can we get a coach who does coach things and not just like, you know, preacher things. Can we, can we get somebody who like, you know, adjusts to a zone occasionally? Can we, can we just try it? Can we? <laughs> and I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how it would all play out, but um, to act, to answer the question that I know a lot of people have been wondering all season, what would it take for Darwin to save his job? I think that bar is actually pretty high at this point. We'll see though. I, I you know, this, <laughs> this, uh, 
ownership group in this front office has done, uh, has done some weird things and keeping Darvin Ham around beyond like a couple months ago when there was like an out and out mutiny basically brewing in, in the, uh, I don't know why I said mutiny that way. A mutiny is how I said it, but like you've had guys just that, that, that article, that, that piece that the athletic wrote were six sources. When you have that many people coming out and saying like, yeah, this guy sucks. Uh, that's, that's like as loud as it gets for NBA coaches. Um, in, in terms of inter organizational noise and, uh, he somehow survived that. And while all that was going on, you had nothing but praise from ownership in the front office. It hasn't exactly been great since then though. And I do kind of think that enough noise has existed there to where I think everybody is just kind of, it's kind of like, all right, let's all move on. Let's all be better than this all right uh let's go uh let's look ahead though to the rest of this uh week or so and where the lakers find themselves this was you know the 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 golden state loss kind of hurt um this one hurts you as well right because teams that are ahead of you are getting wins as you're getting losses um the the lakers schedule isn't exactly pretty they play the Clippers next. Uh, Clippers have played the Lakers really tough, basically since Teron Lue got there. You got Washington, they're a mess, so, so that helps. Then you got Denver, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Sacramento, Golden State. Um, Atlanta's kind of a mess now with Troy Young gone, so I guess that might be a bit of a win. Philadelphia, not with uh, without Joel Embiid, that kind of helps you. And then uh, at Milwaukee, and then Memphis is a mess. Pacers have been playing better. And Brooklyn is how you finish out March. But look at that. Listen to that stretch again. De- Clippers, then Washington, Denver, OKC, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Sacramento again, and Golden State all in a row. That's what the Lakers are getting ready for here. And remember back in January when it was like, all right, this is where the Lakers have to go on their run. They have a bunch of winnable home games. They have to really rip some off here. And they didn't. This is where you wind up paying for it. This is a this is a really, really tough stretch that the, the, that the Lakers are getting ready for here that basically could define their season, could define Darvin Ham's tenure, could kind of basically decide how the rest of this is going to go. That's why when you have an opportunity, when Devin Booker and Kevin Durant don't exactly light you up, you want to win that game, right? When you're playing in in uh, Golden State and you have opportunities to to you know keep it close, and then you don't, and then you you, you wind up not really even being competitive there. Uh, that one kind of hurts you, right? And fortunately, they got their win against San Antonio that they needed to get, but they only won that one by five points. So this team isn't exactly firing in all cylinders on all cylinders. And now you're going up on this, on this stretch here where, I mean, of the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. I see one for sure. win. one, that makes me a little nervous. <laughs> that makes me real ner- nervous. 
All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lounge. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, a reminder, please subscribe on YouTube if you guys are watching here live. That really helps the show. I uh, I do have some things I'm working on for the show to make it better for everybody, but we do need this thing to keep on growing in order for those things to, to actually come to fruition. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll get that sorted out as well. If you're listening in pod form, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts preferably on Odyssey. And until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your, I said Trey Young. I didn't say Troy. I said Trey Young. Uh, He is hurt for the next four weeks at least. Um, Until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. And for the love of God, please fire Darvin Hammond.